Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. Tom Tilly with you. It's Tuesday, January 18, and I'm joined by Katrina Blowers. And in this briefing, Katrina, it's a, a really good interview with an Aussie journo who made international headlines over the weekend. Yeah, he did. He called out the biggest podcaster in the world, Joe Rogan, on COVID misinformation. You know that there's an increased risk of myocarditis in, among that age cohort from getting COVID as well, which exceeds the risk of myocarditis from the vaccine. I don't think that's true. I don't think it it's is. true. I don't know. No. <laughs> so it's a good experience. Change, and we'll play the longer cut of that in the briefing. But essentially, this Aussie radio host, Josh Zepps, debunked one of Rogan's main anti-vaccination arguments. And yeah, you're going to find out all about that and how he even ended up on the world's biggest podcast as a guest. Also, a really juicy chat about what he thinks of Joe Rogan's influence on the vaccine debate, given his background is in comedy and UFC commentating. All right, first, here are today's headlines. What do you reckon about this? $1,000 for a rapid antigen test. Well, that was actually one online ad, according to the ACCC, which is the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission. Yeah, so the Consumer Watchdogs collected more than 1,800 reports of rat ripoffs. Many of the reports are between $20 and $30, uh, which is concerning. And then we've had reports, a number of reports, of well above $30, which, of course, is just beyond outrageous. Even over 70 bucks in some convenience stores. That was ACCC Chair Rod Sims, who pointed out that the tests only cost between 4 and $12 wholesale, which kind of makes me mad. They've contacted 40 suppliers for a please explain as they try and crack down on rat rorts, which uh, could lead to five years jail, a $66,000 fine or both. Unions warn employers face strike action if businesses don't put a COVID-safe plan in place that would include providing free rats to staff, as well as offering better masks and improved ventilation. I think reasonable businesses will. They already are. You know, good businesses realise that we're in this together and you've got to look after people, including your workforce. And if we have healthy workers, we're much more likely to have a healthy economy. ACTU President Michelle O'Neill there. Those demands were released following a union crisis meeting yesterday. Meanwhile, businesses are calling for more flexibility to manage COVID amid the current scarcity of rats, uh, with a recent survey showing 86% of retailers haven't been able to find rats for their staff. So the retail sector is also calling for relaxed ISO requirements of critical workers to be extended across its workforce. And aftershocks are expected to continue shaking the Pacific following Tonga's underwater volcano eruption on Saturday, although tsunamis have been ruled out. I would expect that there will be more eruptions coming, but there won't be of the same nature. Professor Oliver Nebel there from Monash University. I spent the day yesterday, Tom, talking to a lot of Tongans living in Queensland who haven't been able to hear anything about their relatives for, we're coming into the third day now. Can you imagine that? Mm. Just, you know, sleepless nights and so much worry. Yeah, and they're saying it could be two weeks until they hear anything. The company that owns the single underwater fibre optic cable uh, that connects the island to the rest of the world said it uh, was completely severed in the eruption and repairs could take weeks. An Aussie man, though, has been able to confirm his sister died. 50-year-old Angela Glover started the Tonga Animal Welfare Society and she was swept away while trying to save the charity's dogs. But overall, authorities don't think this has been a mass casualty event. Novak Djokovic has touched down in Belgrade to a huge welcome at home. 
Yeah, but Katrina, he might not get such a warm welcome at the French Open. Yeah, how about this? He could be in doubt there now. France's Ministry of Sport has warned there will be no exemption for unvaccinated players at the upcoming Open in May. I guess they're being clear from the start, though, which is a little (laughs) different to what happened here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It was interesting yesterday, um, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, was grilled about um, anti-vax sentiment in his own government. MPs, um, including George Christensen and Alex Antic, um, have been a lot more vocal opposing vaccines than uh, Novak Djokovic was. This is true. Um, Yeah, but he hasn't done anything to slap them down. Yeah, so um, Australian-Serbian relations are now, I guess, uh, under the microscope. Uh, The president in Serbia has made his disgust at Djokovic's 11 days in Australia well known. For 10 days they were tormenting. Dare to say even torturing because it was not only intellectual but physical torture against Novak Djokovic. Yeah, that's Serbian President Alexander Vukic there. Now, listen to this grab. This is the Foreign Minister Maurice Payne saying that it's all good. I'm absolutely confident that the uh, very positive bilateral relationship between Australia and Serbia uh, will continue. Yeah, we'll right. <laughs> My goodness, that's ridiculous. Speaking of tennis, and I'm talking here about the actual sport, not the controversy around it, um, Ash Barty, the quiet achiever, only lost one game in her first round match yesterday. She absolutely ripped through. But um, yeah, sadly, Tanasi Kokonakis lost his first round match, which is really disappointing because he was coming in hot after winning the tournament in Adelaide. Yeah, let's hope that uh, we actually get to see so much more of the Oz Open and and all of that controversy can hopefully be put to bed. Mm, In just a moment, uh, Joe Rogan being called out by an Aussie. Okay, so here's the longer cut of Joe Rogan debating Josh Zepps about the risk of myocarditis and the mRNA vaccines and COVID itself. And by the way, myocarditis is inflammation of the heart muscle that in very rare and extreme cases can lead to heart failure. For young boys in particular, there's an adverse risk associated with the vaccine. It's like a two to four fold increase in the instances of myocarditis. Yes, but you know what? Hospitalization. You know that there's an increased risk of myocarditis among that age cohort from getting COVID as well, which exceeds the risk of myocarditis from the vaccine. I don't think that's true. I don't think it's true. I don't. No, no, no. I don't think it's true that there's an increased risk of myocarditis from people catching COVID that are young versus increased risk of myocarditis from the vaccine. No, there is. There's both. Well, let's look that up because I don't think that's true. <laughs> There's myocarditis more common after COVID nineteen infection than vaccination. But is this with children? This yeah, we're talking about young people, men and boys aged under thirty. After this, is what it says here. With, with children is the issue. Well, no, we were talking about fifteen year olds. Well, we're talking about young children. Male so, yes, twelve to seventeen. Twelve to seventeen, more likely to develop myocarditis within three months of catching COVID at a rate of four fifty cases. Per million infection, this compares to 67 cases of myocarditis per million at the same time following their second dose of Pfizer. Yeah, so you're about eight times likelier to get myocarditis from getting COVID than from getting the vaccine. That's interesting. Now, that, that is said, not what I've read before. So there it is. So interesting. I mean, Joe Rogan um, went on Twitter soon afterwards admitting that Zepps had made him look dumb and, you know, saying he, he tries to get the facts right. So it was a very interesting sort of admission from him and mm. I think part of what, what was so interesting about it is that Rogan's been running this argument about myocarditis for a long time now 
And it was only now um, with Josh Zepps on his program that it was properly contextualized by comparing the very small chance of getting it after an mRNA vaccine and the much bigger chance of getting it from COVID. And it's not just that article that they pulled up from the New Scientist that points that out. It's also the findings of ATAGI here in Australia, our own advisory group on immunisation. They cite a peer-reviewed American study that finds you're about four times more likely to get it from COVID than Pfizer. This all comes right as a group of 270 US doctors, scientists, healthcare professionals and professors published an open letter calling Rogan a menace to public health and accusing him of peddling misinformation and also damaging public trust in science. They uh, want Spotify, who own Rogan's podcast, to rein him in. He has a huge influence, an estimated 11 million people listening to each episode. Yeah, so I mean, we all know who Joe Rogan is. He's so famous now. But who is Josh Zepps? That is another question we need to answer. Well, he's an ABC Sydney radio host. And as you'll find out, he's got a bit of history with Joe Rogan. Josh, thanks so much for joining us on The Briefing. Now, not to start by underselling your fame or huge cultural power. (laughs) Go for it. Go ahead. (laughs) Most people listening to this podcast will have never heard of you. So how on earth did you end up on the world's biggest podcast? Are you like a secret wrestling fan? Did you know Joe Rogan from Living in America? What's the story here? (laughs) I'm secretly probably more popular in America than I am here. The simple answer is that I've spent the majority of my adult life in the States. Uh, I, uh, after working in radio here a little bit when I left uni, I went to New York and lived there for 12 years in my 20s and and 30s. I was a a presenter on HuffPost Live, which was the sort of first attempt to do a big streaming talk television network. Uh, And that gained me a certain amount of notoriety. I was on the Today Show in America with Al Roker as a regular guest. And so I sort of became known in the in circles. And I did an interview in about 2014 that went viral and went on the Colbert show. And uh, Joe Rogan saw that, hit me up and invited me on the podcast back then. And he and I sort of hit it off. And I was back on the show six times over the next three years. And then I moved to Australia And uh, now I'm just starting the afternoon show on ABC Radio Sydney and around the state of New South Wales. So presumably people will start start to sort of see a little bit more of me. But I was just back on my first post-pandemic trip for my kids to see their grandparents who are American. I'm married to an American bloke. It was while I was there, I just shot Joe an email a couple of months ago and said, I'll be there. And he, he got back to me and said, be great to talk to you. How did you know what he was going to bring up and and have those talking points ready to go? <laughs> well, you, you don't. <laughs> you never know with Joe. And it's a three plus hour interview that goes all over the place. I thought that he wanted to talk specifically about Australia. There's been a huge reputational bash on Australia over the past, I guess, six to eight months in which partly because of the sort of misalignment of the way that our COVID experience mapped onto the American experience, where they had a very front-loaded crisis that then sort of just petered out into successive waves of somewhat normal uh, infection. Not to say that the infection rates aren't very high over there, but it's become a backdrop to normal life. When Delta hit here and we had our big lockdowns over last winter, there was a lot of bafflement in America about why our police were being so strict. What I wasn't expecting was any conversation about myocarditis and the side effects of vaccines. I wasn't at all prepared for that. But in a three-hour conversation, a lot of things come up and it just so happened that he mentioned something. I knew that was a right-wing talking point and I knew it was something that he was concerned about. But the Josh Sepp slaps down Joe Rogan moment that subsequently went viral was frankly a fluke. 
So this is a classic case where you can misuse information to scare people about increased risk from the vaccine but not contextualise it properly and you were able to call him out on this. So I wonder, you know, he doesn't have many arguments left against the vaccine. So it was really interesting to hear you do that. Joe gets a lot of criticism for being, a, you know, an anti-vaxxer or a spreader of vaccine misinformation. My take on him is that he's a comedian. He's an ultimate fighting commentator. Uh, he's just a nice bloke who sort of is uh, is interested in having conversations with people from all across the, the aisle and is interested in having conversations specifically with people who contradict conventional narratives or who question what everyone else believes. And so in the context of vaccines, there are sort of skerricks of truth. He's not a person who is constantly pumping out yeah. vast quantities of knowingly false material. Like there actually is an issue with myocarditis, this rare heart condition yep. that can come from uh, taking vaccines, especially for younger males, to such an extent that the EU has, I believe, just suspended Moderna specifically for under 40 males. I mean, my point was just that you can't look at that data point in isolation without also looking at all of the bad things that happen from catching COVID. What sort of interested me is I've heard this debate around myocarditis and, and young men before, and I've heard it being debunked before. I would have thought that would have been put in front of him before. Did that surprise you? I'm a bit conflicted to be honest, Katrina, about this idea that because you become popular, all of a sudden you have to have the same standards of journalism as the highest journalistic institutions in the world. Joe is Joe and Joe got popular by being Joe. And at what number of listeners is he suddenly forced to no longer be Joe, but to suddenly become the New York Times? I would argue that it's when he does a massive deal with Spotify and Spotify has a policy about misinformation. And this is what this massive group of medical professionals are pointing out, that his podcasts are not even adhering to Spotify's own policy. They just want Spotify to implement their own policy. Do we want to live in a world, Tom, where big mega corporations get to decide what the correct point of view on critical issues is and then all of us are required to take the point of view of 22-year-old uh, software engineers riding skateboards in Silicon Valley who work for Twitter and Facebook and Spotify <laughs> and that that worldview is going to be the, the authoritative one and if you dare to question that with any alternative research, you're no longer allowed to have a platform. I'm not sure. Yeah, look, I think that's a really good argument and, and you're right, the, the sort of subcultures of certain companies could then dictate all kinds of rules and stuff that we don't want to sign up to in a, a wide sort of array of areas of our lives. But I guess that that debate has really been tested during the COVID era because it's it's life and death. It's not a sort of a hypothetical... Yeah, I agree. These are sort of grey areas and there are certain, you know, if, if someone was a persistent and aggressive firehose of nonsense, uh, then at some point you would want them to appeal to basic standards of logic, decency and fact. But as I said earlier, I think in this particular instance, what you've got is someone who's interested in having conversations with dissenters. And in my case, he just sort of bumped up against someone who was not a dissenter on this particular question of vaccines. I mean, I think what's important for Aussies to understand when they think about these moments is the fundamental difference that's going on between the worldviews of Australians and 
Americans here. Like, I don't want to speak on behalf of all Australians. I've been subject to the most enormous torrent of online abuse over the past few days as a result of this exchange, calling me an authoritarian bootlicker Nazi and so on, who's just an apologist for a fascist regime in in Australia. That's just never ending in the tens of thousands. And many of those are from Australia. So there's definitely a minority of people here who think it's totally ridiculous the extent to which the police have been enforcing arcane rules about contact tracing and isolation. They think it's ridiculous that any individual would be forcibly detained and incarcerated in a quarantine facility simply for being a close contact of someone with COVID. Uh, and they think that that's gone off the deep end. And all over the States, from so many people, people would speak to me as if I'd just lost, lost a loved one. You know, my aunts and uncles who are solidly Obama voting, you know, anti-Trump people would sort of hold my arm and look at look me deeply in the eyes and say, I'm so sorry about what, what you guys have been through in Australia for the past two years. I can't believe wow. that you, you've had to endure that level of government intrusion. In the States, it is really fundamental to think that the government is basically broken. The government is basically antagonistic towards you. And it's sort of your duty to make sure that you oppose government overreach at every step. And the idea that the government would, beyond what is absolutely critical to prevent a public health emergency, that once you've got, you know, reasonable rates of vaccination and reasonable hospital capacity and ICU bed capacity, that that the government would continue to nitpick and micromanage your life with QR codes and, and isolation and so on is anathema to Americans. So I think it'd be a mistake, for example, for us to characterize the American narrative about Australia as wholly similar to, for example, QAnon or like, you know, the Mm. Capitol rioters on January 6th of last year or something like that. It is a a widespread general perception that at this point, it's, it's ridiculous for places to not just be living with COVID. So that was Josh Depps, who um, you can hear on ABC Sydney Radio from 12.30 to 3.30 in the afternoon and who has just pulled off the most amazing publicity stunt ever for launching his new show this week. Hasn't <laughs> he what? Interesting debate around, you know, should Joe Rogan be held to high fact-checking standards? I would argue yes, because he is the most popular podcaster in the world. Yeah, he's not a journo, he's a comedian and a UFC commentator, but he is purporting these statements as facts, not opinion. So therefore, he should check them before he tells it to the whole world. Well, I just think it it comes down to taking responsibility for your actions. So if you're going to broadcast to 11 million people and potentially put out information that might hurt people, then you should take some responsibility for that. Agreed. But I also do think Josh made a really good point that if all of these kind of, I guess, standards are going to be enforced by in this case, a Swedish company or in in other cases like Facebook or Twitter, Silicon Valley companies, that does raise massive concerns about who's Mm. making the rules in our society. Tomorrow on The Briefing, we're going to find out how Omicron is affecting Europe. There's a massive wave from west to east. Included in that conversation, we're going to speak to a Serbian academic, so we'll also ask him about uh, the reaction there to the Djokovic saga. Listener.